Merry Christmas. We are actually in the Christmas season now, right? And uh, we are getting ready to launch a new series here today. And uh, that series is called The Incomparable Christ. The Incomparable Christ. We're going to be walking through over the next four weeks just the simple greatness of why Jesus should be worshipped. What's so great about Jesus Christ? Why should we be making much of him in this season, all right? So here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 1. I'm excited to make much of who he is. And uh, how do we go about making much of our king? Well, it starts, number one, with meet him. Meet him. Jesus is the eternal God. He is also the creator, sustainer. Meet him. Jesus is the eternal God. He is also the creator, sustainer. And uh, man, it is essential first that we meet Jesus Christ as he stands. And uh, here we go, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. And uh, when? And in the beginning, right? And uh, so some will say, hey, this means the beginning of creation, and it could mean that, and uh, the start thereof, but it could also mean from the beginnings of time altogether, from eternity past, from the very, really all the way back whenever you can think of, right? From the beginning of time that you can contemplate. Now remember, God is eternal, and so technically there really is no beginning with him, but as far back as you can think, right, that kind of thing, way beyond creation, in the beginning was the Word. Now, notice in your Bibles, that is a capital W on that, right? The Word. Not a word, but the Word. And this is talking very specifically about Jesus Christ. Everybody just say, this is Jesus Christ. All right, this is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And uh, why is this such a special moment here? Uh, he's using the Greek word lagos, all right? He's using the Greek word lagos, and that word very specifically just means an expression of what you're thinking, an expression of what you're feeling, an expression of where you're at. Lagos, it speaks to kind of an expressive nature revealed out, all right? And so when we talk about Jesus Christ as the lagos, we are now talking about him as the expression of God Almighty, the eternal divine expression of God into this world, where you get a perspective to his heart, you get a perspective to his thoughts, you get a perspective to his values, you get to see him like you've never seen him before, that's Jesus Christ. He is the revealing of God into this world. He is the Word. That's what it means. And it's too easy, right? In church, we hear this, yeah, Jesus is the Word, we get used to him, we're like, okay, and we start walking around saying that, and we kind of forget what it's all about, and we may not even understand what exactly it means. That's what he's talking about. He's like, in the beginning was Jesus Christ, the very expressiveness of God shared with us. That's what he's talking about. That's why Christ is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And man, this is a huge deal. And uh, as you think about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we hear, and the Word was with God, and you get this idea then of God the Son with God the Father, you kind of have this multiple persons and their interaction together going on there. The Word was with God, but it's more than that. It says the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And uh, we better get that, man. Jesus Christ, he is God. Everybody just say it with me. He is God. Man, he is God Almighty. He rules over this earth. He is in charge of everything, and we're going to see that roll out in just a little bit here in the verses. He is in charge. And so as you wrestle with the Trinity, we're seeing a couple facets come together here. The Trinity is super complex. And if you think that you've got it nailed down, I'm pretty sure that with a little bit of challenge, you'd find, okay, I can't quite explain all of it, right? The Trinity, there's a lot of complexity to it. Here's what we do know. We know there's a one, oneness to it, and we know there's a threeness to it. There's a oneness and a threeness. So he is one, and he is three. And uh, well, how can that be? How can he be both at the same time? And the answer is because the one and the three don't modify the same noun, okay? He is one essence. He is three persons. That's a great way to say it. If you want to understand the Trinity, very simple, kind of 10,000-foot view. One essence. There is one being with total unity, one essence, but there are three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, here we're seeing that Trinity roll out as we see the Son with the Father. There's a with part of it, but then we see it straight out saying, He is God, and there's the oneness part of it. So the threeness and the oneness both coming out. You know, there are people who uh, love to toy with these couple of verses, and quite frankly, they're trying to resolve the Trinity to something they can understand. And uh, probably that's a bad plan, really, quite frankly. If your goal is to try to make sure you can uh, make God small enough that you understand him, uh, you're going down the wrong path. And let's be super careful with that. And in this case, there's a couple of words that they toy with. One very specifically, it says, um, and the word was God. And some would like to say, there are a couple of religions out there that would like to say, no, no, this should say, and the word was a God. There's no definite article in the original language, and so it should say, and the word was a God. In fact, there are a couple of Greek rules about that that they're not quite accurate on, but they've really created a different problem for themselves. How that fixed their problem, I'm not sure. Now you have multiple gods, right? Now you don't have one god, you have many gods, multiple gods. That's a problem in itself and uh, not really a helpful resolution, right? And so they're toying with the Trinity and breaking things down and end up tearing apart the simple truth. Get this now. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Everybody said? Amen Amen to that. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. There is one God, and Jesus is God. And there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there is a complexity to that and a simplicity to that. And we worship him in it. Our God is awesome. Man, celebrate him in his depth and his complexity. And uh, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And uh, from eternity past, Jesus is God. To eternity future, Jesus is God. He is the eternal king. Hear me now. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. He is God almighty. He rules over this earth and always will. That's who Jesus Christ is. Man, as we come to this Christmas season, may we not lose perspective on who it's all about. It is about the eternal king and his 
greatness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Here we go. All things were made through Him. How many things? All things. Every single thing that exists outside of God, Christ is the creator of. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really wrestle with that and you're like, okay, I embrace every single created being, every single physical element Christ is the creator of. He is in charge of it. And uh, he spoke it into existence. It says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In fact, if you go to Colossians chapter one, it says that Jesus Christ made everything. It says it was made by him, for him, through him. It's all wrapped up in who he is the king of this physical world. This is his place. And we're living in his world that he's in charge of. Jesus Christ, he is king of kings and lord of lords. That's a huge deal. And Colossians 1 talks all about how he is creator of it. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And so Jesus is God. He is the creator. And we get a little bit more insight to it. The God spoken of in Genesis 1, the speaking out is Jesus Christ himself. And uh, while God did come together as a, the three persons partying together there to make some decision, right? It says at the end of chapter 1, let us, there's a connectedness together in the threeness, but in the oneness there is this universal sharing in. And Christ got to speak the words out. By him, through him, of him, for him. It's all about Christ. And to check this out now, at the beginning of John chapter 1, it says that he is the word. And it is his very words now spoken that create. He said, let there be light. And there was, because when he says it, that's the way it goes. His spoken word makes it come down. He is the word expressed of God into this world. And as he speaks forth the words, man, I'm just telling you, it comes to be. God is in charge of it all. And Jesus Christ, very specifically, one of the three persons in the Godhead, speaking and creating. That's Jesus Christ. Don't lose sight of that. It's going to be a huge deal as we get into the later part of the passage. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. There is no physical thing that exists apart from Christ. He created it with his spoken word. Colossians 1 also says he sustains it by his presence. Even the rebellious heart that speaks against him, shaking a fist, all of their molecules are held together by the very presence of Christ and they breathe their next breath by the presence of Christ. It's a huge deal. Jesus Christ, he is unbelievable. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Now, if you remember, we've talked about these words before, this word life and uh, there's several different Greek words for the word life, right? And the one here is actually the word zoe, and it means eternal life, okay? In him was eternal life. So he's speaking physical things into existence, 
but it talks now about this eternal life that, notice it says, in him. What's the big deal here? It's saying Jesus Christ has within himself eternal life. Man, he's not dependent upon any other being to give him eternal life. In him, he is self-dependent. He alone brings eternal life to the table. It's within him as God Almighty to usher in eternal life. He is the source of all things eternal. And it starts with his very self. And he pours that out and shares it out. He doesn't have eternal life because God the Father gave it to him. Everybody say, not that. Dude, it's not that. God the Father did not give him eternal life. He is God Almighty. He has eternal life. He sources and shares it out. You and I have a promise of eternal life forward if we trust in him, if we believe in him. But that eternal life is not something we source in and of ourselves. We don't have it and we can't manufacture it. Jesus Christ shares a cross, the life that he has, the zoe, the eternal life poured into us as he shares out of himself. God is love and he's sharing part of him with you and me. That's who we worship. And, uh, and this is a huge deal. In him was life and the life was the light of men. His eternal life beaming forth, shining out, became a light in a dark world. And uh, light, we realize how valuable it is when we're sitting in a dark room, the lights go out. Have you ever been in one of those rooms where the motion detector lights are in there? And, and all of a sudden the motion doesn't be, you're not, it's not detecting you moving. And all of a sudden it goes off and you're in a dark room. What do you do when you're sitting in there? Right? You start moving around and you stand up and you're trying to get this thing to go on. Sitting in darkness, all of a sudden you realize the value of light. And I'm just telling you, we are in a dark world and Christ is ushering in the light to this place. What does that mean? It means he's revealing what is true. It means he's showing us the way to go. It means he's revealing of who God is. It means he is basically making clear the direction we should head and what it should all be about, the path we should be on, what it'll take to not stumble. He is light in a dark world. Man, we have hope in him. We have life in him. And he's revealing the path of relationship with him. The light, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that statement. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is a massive power statement. He's like, hey, let me be clear. Ain't no darkness gonna turn this light out. This light will shine forth. And a man, the best description of darkness is an absence of light. And Jesus Christ has entered this physical world that he spoke into existence, that he sustains by his presence. And as he comes in, he beams forth the hope and the truth that we need to grasp him and to meet him. He is the light. And Satan will never overcome that. Let me say that a little 
bit louder and stronger with a little better response. He is the light, and Satan will never overcome him. Amen. And amen to that. And we have hope in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you know, uh, we have many who walk into this church, and uh, they're visiting. You may be visiting with us today, and people who come in and they're longing for something. Maybe they're not even sure what. Some who come in and they're longing to belong to something. They're, they're longing for a relationship or a connecting with others, maybe just laughter with others or tears shared with others. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're great with that and we long to do that as well. That's loving one another, right? But that's a very horizontal thing. That's only part of what we're about here. We as a church are absolutely going to be about loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Yes, for caring for one another. Yes, to having a belonging in with one another. Yes, to laughing together and crying together and being with one another. But hear me, that's just the start or all we have is a club. We are here to make much of our Savior. We will glorify our God. We will raise it up vertical with all we've got. And this place needs to come unglued with the greatness of God Almighty. So man, if you're here visiting with us today and you were like, I don't know, I'm not even sure exactly why I'm here. And man, welcome to something maybe even way bigger than you thought. And a yes to relationships, but way more. Yes to God glorified in this place. Yes to the Holy Spirit moving in this place. Yes to our lives shaped in ways we would have never guessed. Yes to God doing a healing work that I could never get alone. Amen. Man, we are going. I'm telling you. Just telling you, we are going after this with all we've got. May God be glorified. We had somebody come down a couple weeks back who said, I, I've done this thing now. I, I've accepted Christ. I, I did. I prayed and I'm in and I get it and I want him in charge and, and I'm in. And, and, um, and then she teared up a little bit and she said, but I don't really belong here. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I just don't, I don't, I don't really fit in. I'm not really, I don't feel like I belong. And please hear me. You belong here. And she belongs here. And man, we are here to make much of our Savior. And we are here to watch people grow in Christ. And you belong here. And we want to love on you, and we want to introduce you to a Savior that will rock your world. And man, if you know Christ as King, come join us. We are the called out ones, his church. And we will make much of our King. Man, this place is all about, yes, a horizontal, and yes, a vertical. And I cannot wait to see what God does when we make much of him. And a simple question, have you met Jesus Christ? Have you met him? Do you know the one who is life and light and eternity is in his hand where he speaks and this world exists? Have you met him? Man, if you are wrestling with what that even means today, come 
to know your king and believe in him with all you've got. Have you met Jesus Christ? That's number one. Number two, hear about him. Hear about him. John the Baptist pointed this world to Christ. Hear about him. And uh, here we go. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. There was a man sent from God. And uh, super clear, super crystal clear here that God has a plan. We just got done reading it in Daniel through all six chapters. God has a, just turn to the person next to you and say, seriously, God's got a plan. Man, it's important that we grasp this. Seriously. He knows exactly what he's doing. God has a plan. And yes, sometimes it's setting up and deposing kings. We saw that in Daniel. We talked about it with this whole season in the fall. But you know where else it's true? In each and every day with each and every one of us, God's got thoughts about where we're going, where we're headed, and what we're doing. And he's working with John the Baptist here. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And uh, if you go to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13, just a great story about John the Baptist. If you need to refresh your mind on that, go to it. Take some time on it later to read through it. It's a very stunning, cool, simple story where an angel is sent by God Almighty to let John the Baptist's father know Hey, just so you know, this kid's going to be pretty amazing. He's going to help usher in a new change in Israel. There's going to be life change. There's going to be hope. He is going to precede a great one, and there's going to be awesome things that happen, and you need to call him John. And uh, just this whole progression through as uh, John the Baptist's dad wrestling with what that meant. And, um, you know, in the moment that he questioned it right there, he's like, really? Are you sure? And uh, there's a great moment. Uh, where Gabriel, the angel, is like, dude, do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to Gabriel. I announce things. That's what I do. And yes, I'm announcing to you. And, and then he moves on through the whole deal of what's going to happen with John the Baptist and the greatness that'll come and then tells the father, uh, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born, just to make sure we're clear that you understand this was not cool what you just did, right? And, uh, and just take a moment to read through uh, Luke chapter 1 and catch that passage. That's the John being spoken of here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. His job was to come in and say, that's the one to follow. He came in and people began to follow him. Lives began to turn around. There was a nation beginning to turn towards repentance. He could have easily said, it's going to be all about me. Follow me. But that's not where he went. Instead, he said, at the end of John chapter 1, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God. Are you hearing that? As he points to him and he says, this one's so amazing. Behold this Lamb of God. Why is it such a big deal? Because from their moment at the time of Christ, if you go backwards into the Old Testament, God is giving them law and he's asking them to deal with sin. And as they're wrestling through it, he says, here's what I need you to do. 
There needs to be a sacrifice of an animal where there is blood shed. There will be a forgiveness of sins, and that animal will cover just a moment of sin, okay? But that was a type pointing forward. That was an example that God was giving them and letting them live out that sacrifice of a lamb will cover sin. And now comes Christ. Not the type anymore. Now he's the answer. And John's like, that's what the whole thing has been about, man. The law that we've been walking through and the lamb and the shed blood and the forgiveness of sins, it is him. He is our lamb. Him for me. That's our hope. And that's what John the Baptist was speaking to as he had the privilege to cry out about the light. And he declared that Jesus was our hope, that he went to the cross, that he died, that he rose again with authority. There would be power in him. That was what he was talking about, is this thing coming with this Christ, and he would do amazing things. As John the Baptist was more or less passing a baton to the king of the universe. Now, that's a guy to pass the baton to, right? And uh, if you're running a race, the guy you want running fourth is a guy who can finish it well. I think he handed it off well, right, as he's handing it off to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lamb of God. Why was he doing this testifying out about Jesus? It says that. Man, when you see words like that or so that, make sure you stop and read. In fact, when you see it, I love to say a phrase. When you see the word that, say something like, okay, here comes a purpose statement. Get ready. This is the purpose statement for what's going on. Why was he sharing? That all might believe through him. That all might believe. And so here's the passion of him. He was hungry to share with as many as could hear. He doesn't control the heart. Just ignore it. He doesn't control the heart. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's basically saying that all, he would love to share it out with as many as can that they might believe. And there's a sharing forth of the truth of Christ. And there is an allness to the sharing out. In fact, the book of John, in John chapter 20, it says, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John recorded in his book the passion that this be all about people reading, believing, and understanding the greatness of Christ. And uh, that's what John the Baptist was all about. That's what his message was all about. Come, follow him. A hope that all would hear. Notice the word might. It does put a conditional on it. It's not a guarantee. It doesn't say that all will. It says that all might. Read very carefully in your scripture, right? Otherwise, you end up with a contradiction here where you're like, wait a minute, not everybody is being saved. And this is put in the subjunctive form for those who want the Greek. And uh, so there's a little bit of question on it, but his passion is that people would come to know and trust. And that's why it's got the word might on it. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. I love that statement. It's super clear. He's like, hey, he was a good dude, man. People really learned a lot from him, and they were trusting him, and they were growing with him. And... But that's not the light. Everybody say, that's not the light. It wasn't John the Baptist. It was who he was pointing to, Jesus Christ himself. And uh, he is the light. And that is where the hope came from. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. He was pointing people to Christ, and he was longing for them to come to trust him. Man, to hear and our Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, is all about a story of hearing 
of the message of Christ coming very innocently and very simply. And, and um, so uh, I'm just going to use this illustration. Um, there was a guy, actually worked for the military, and uh, there was a landslide that occurred uh, on the side of this mountain, some rocks that had come down and some mud that had come down. And it actually filled this whole area uh, up of a road, and so the road was really impassable. And so military was called out to wall it off, stop people from going in, and then to do the cleanup. They got the cleanup done, but there was still a lot of instability on the side of the mountain. The rocks were able to come tumbling down at any moment, and so they were stopping people and saying, you know, really, this is an unsafe place to pass. You need to turn around and go back around. And so a car pulled up, and this guy walks up, and he says, I'm sorry, sir, but we do have this closed. It's super unsafe to pass right now. we got rock that's coming down and very much... Uh, capable of coming down on your car. You really don't want to go through, all right? And the guy in the car looks at him and goes, son, do you see what's on my shoulder? Do you see what's on my collar? Do you understand the authority that I have here? Open that up and let me through. And uh, he said, sir, it's very dangerous. I, I don't think you want to, he said, open it up. Yes, sir. Open it up. And they opened it up and he started to drive through and here's the problem. The guy was given a message, but he didn't hear the message. He had his self all steeped up in it. And so what he heard was a, something about a problem of respect and you need to let me get what I want. But here's the problem. He started to compare himself to the person giving him the message. And what he needed to do was compare himself to the rocks, which he would lose with. And instead of understanding what and where was happening, he decided to demand for himself. Not a good plan. He was hearing, but not hearing. And a uh, simple question for you. Are you hearing, but not hearing? Are you hearing about the greatness of Christ and all that he is, and yet somehow it's becoming more about you, and so you're resisting and pushing away? Or are you hearing about the greatness of Christ? Hear. Hear who he is. Hear the message of who he is. And be amazed. Make sure your ears are truly open. First we meet him. We hear about him. And number three, believe in him. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Here we go. It says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light. Now hear me. True light. He is the original source of all things light. He is the true light. There is no other light source original than him. He alone is it. True light. That's Jesus Christ. And man, we need to worship and understand that every truth originates from God himself. And Jesus Christ shining into this world is the expression of God into this world and the one source of all things true, God Almighty. He is the true light which gives light to everyone and was coming into the world. Gives light to everyone. Now, be super careful here because if you start to say light means salvation, 
If it equals saved, then he just gave salvation to every single human being. And now we've got conflict with other passages of Scripture that talk about some being saved, many being saved, but some resisting and refusing. And so we have to be super careful when we're reading things, especially metaphors about things like light and what you say it's equal to. It would not be equal to salvation, otherwise you just have universalism here. Every single person saved no matter what. And that isn't what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches this very clearly. We need to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, and we need to confess him as Lord, and you will be saved. That's it, man. Belief and confession. Him in charge. Man, that has to be there. And so this light, what is it? Well, it's probably best to understand it as some level of conviction. We know the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, convicts the world of that, everyone bringing it outright. We know that there is a movement afoot, the allness of the sharing of the need of a Savior. Yes to that. A clarity to the greatness of Him. Romans chapter 1 says that we stand without excuse in this complex physical world because there are attributes of God that are clearly visible. He is revealing things out, men. And there is a light revealed by Christ. And it brings us to a point where we need to grasp who He is. And uh, this light, it's like a light shining on a dark path that reveals the steps we need to take. May we respond and follow the light. And uh, it says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Now, remember, we talked about this creation before, right? And this creation that he was a part of and that he did with the spoken word. And uh, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Can you imagine that moment? He speaks this physical world into existence, and then he takes up a presence within it. Think of that complexity. He takes up a presence within the very thing he spoke into existence. Didn't give up his Godhead, fully God, but he clothed himself fully man in the midst of what we see as this physical world. And uh, can you imagine the angels in that moment? As they're looking in and they're seeing their creator king stoop down, step in, fully God, clothed, fully man, taking up residence in and among and walking with. They were watching him do something stunning and look what it says here. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. They were watching him be misunderstood. These people were standing side by side with the very sustainer of the universe and not recognizing him. Man, we would love to look at that and go, oh, I would have recognized him. And uh, no, no, we probably wouldn't have. Right? And it's not that some didn't grasp who he was over the course of time, but man, we are in a dark, blind world, and we as human beings are stuck on self in large ways. And the darkness that they had is just like the darkness that we have, and they did not grasp who Christ was. And the speaker of all things physical was in their presence, 
And the word walked among them. And they saw miracles and they were wowed, but they didn't get how it happened. They talked with him and something stirred, but they didn't understand who they were communing with. The almighty creator of the universe has stepped into this world. And that's what Christmas is all about, man. We celebrate that the king of the universe humbled himself and became a man. And all of God's people said, and they did not recognize him. They did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Came to the Jews. The Jews were like, yeah, I don't think so. And he needed to move on and share with others. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who all, all who did receive him, who believed in his name. If you're wondering what it looks like to receive Christ, it's right there. You believe in his name. and You trust in his name, his authority, his power, and you make him in charge of your life. That's what it looks like. I mean, in this Christmas season, could there be a better analogy, right? It's like you're given a gift and somebody hands it to you, they drop it off in your mailbox. If you never go out to the mailbox to take it out and you never open it up and you never start to use it, you did not receive that gift well, right? And you're like, hey, did you get the gift? Yeah, it's still sitting in my mailbox out front, right? And, uh, Man, make sure with Christ you are receiving him. You are believing who he is and you are giving him authority to speak into your life and lead and guide you. Don't leave him in the mailbox out front. Some distant knowledge of information about him but no presence in your life. Man, receive him. Believe that he has risen from the dead. Believe that he is God Almighty. Believe that he has sin in hand. Believe that he is risen, he is coming again. Believe. Believe that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Believe. Believe that Jesus Christ has all authority, all power, all hope is in him. He is the light of this place and we will trust in him. Believe. Don't toy around. Don't leave it in the mailbox out front. Make sure you go with all you've got after Jesus Christ. And believe. It says, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, I love this, he gave the right to become children of God. Grasp that. The Lord Jesus Christ hands out privilege, rights to be adopted into the family where he's going to call you brother or sister, Jesus Christ. Man, I'm just telling you, we've talked about the Trinity at the front end, but let's talk a little bit about the actions of the Trinity in salvation for just a moment. We see God the Father involved in salvation, right? John chapter 6, that he draws and whom he draws will come. God the Father doing a work in it. We see the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment and speaking to who Jesus Christ is to glorify him. We see the Holy Spirit sealing and guaranteeing. We see the Holy Spirit convicting and walking us through, bringing comfort in times of hurt. He's a part of this walk, man. And Jesus Christ saying, I hand out the right for them to be in this family. And he has that privilege. Why? Because of his shed blood on the cross, because of his work for you and me. He is our savior. He is our king. He's our brother. Are you kidding me? 
We so don't deserve that. That's our God. And uh, Jesus Christ, man, he is the eternal king. And uh, notice now what it says at the end. He gave the right to become the children of God, get ready, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. For those who want to take Scripture and pull God away from salvation and make it nothing but a man work, you're going to have to wrestle with that verse and rewrite it a little bit. Because it says, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, and not of the will of man, but of God. You have the working of the Godhead in salvation, and there is an amazing thing going on. And we are not rightly earning a way in and deserving a position with. He is handing out with all mercy and with all grace. The king of the universe has stooped down to you and to me. And he's doing a work in our lives that we never deserved. That's the incomparable Christ. Man, this is a huge moment. And uh, as we walk through this John chapter 1, I thought, what a great place to start with. By the way, take a look at the stage front here. Did they not do a great job with the stage decorating up? Right? Amen. And uh, I love the talent we have on staff and the skill set and the vision that they've got. Just so you know, those four different placards going on there, like that's each week that we're going to be walking through. And the eternal king is this week and nailing it down and making sure we understand. And next week, him coming then as humble child. And then being able to see him as the growing teacher, he walked among us and he literally grew in wisdom and stature, scripture says. We're going to talk a little about that. And then him as our eternal savior, celebrating Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, making much of our God. And Jesus Christ, hear me, he reigns. Jesus Christ, he rules. Jesus Christ, he is king of kings and Lord of lords, and no one shuts down his light, never. He is the almighty God, and we lean on him with all we have. And man, as you go into this Christmas season, no distraction should take your eyes off of your king. Time to take him out of the mailbox, bring it in close with a deep relationship with the almighty. Meet him, hear about him, and believe in him with all you've got. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 We serve the risen Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's go to worship him in prayer now.